0: All of those books are available on Amazon as well as everywhere else books are sold. That's travel light, knowing where to look and bliss more. All right, back to the show. I was feeling like I was very aligned lifestyle wise, but there was this one experience where I always had doubts and I remember sitting at his table And he had all the paperwork on the table in front of me. And it was the day that I was supposed to sign the paperwork. And it just felt so icky inside. Everything in my body was saying, whatever you do, man, don't sign this paperwork. This is not a favorable deal for you. You are going to lose everything. This is what my inner guidance was essentially telling me. You know, don't sign this paperwork. And I ignored it. I ignored my inner guidance very consciously. I had to override it because I was, again, driven by greed. And sure enough, as soon as I signed it, literally like the next week, (laughs) there was all these news reports about the real estate bubble bursting and people losing money and foreclosing on their properties and having to short sell and blah, blah, blah. And I experienced all of that within the next couple of years. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Light Watkins Show. Where normally I interview ordinary folks just like you and me who've taken extraordinary leaps of faith in the direction of their path, their purpose, or what they have identified to be as their mission. And in doing so, they've been able to positively impact and inspire the lives of many other people who've either heard about their story or who've witnessed them in action or who directly benefited from their work. And well, today I am publishing another solo episode. So it's just me. And the theme of this episode is purpose, which I feel can be a very confusing idea for a lot of people who don't feel like they know their purpose or they have a purpose or that they're living their purpose or whatever the case is. And it's not that I'm the ultimate authority on purpose, but I have talked to a lot of people on this podcast about their purpose. And I've noticed several themes emerging around that conversation on purpose. So I just want to share with you what those themes are. And hopefully by listening to this, you'll have an easier time recognizing the themes as they appear in your own life And in addition to that, I will be sharing my thoughts on how to tap into your purpose. And I'll also be telling a lot of personal stories as well, such as why I quit my one and only corporate job and what I learned from almost going bankrupt many years later and how a phone call helped me make a different choice and how to stop betraying yourself and how comfort is really not the ultimate measure of success. And I'll talk about which book gave me the most perspective on the idea of purpose. And I'll give a few examples about that. We'll be talking about the power of daily gratitude on purpose and why complaining makes you average and it causes you to get average results We'll talk about how to know if you are an average person versus a spiritually mature person. And I will talk about the secret to going with the flow. So I think you're going to find these topics in this episode very, very insightful, if I must say so myself. And just to put it out there, if you have any specific subjects that you would like for me to address in future solo episodes, please don't hesitate to email your thoughts to me at info at lightwatkins.com. I may not be able to respond to everyone, but I do read everything. So please send your ideas along. And in the meantime, let's get right into the episode. And again, thanks for taking the time to be a part of this podcast audience and this mission to spread the idea that making choices that are in alignment with your purpose be the most important thing that you do on a daily basis. I'm well aware that there are a lot of really amazing podcasts that you could be listening to. And so I'm honored that you chose to spend a little bit of time with me in this moment. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, it's Light here and we are back with another solo episode. I believe this is my fourth or maybe my fifth solo episode since I started this podcast. We're on episode number 130-something at this point. We are just over half a million downloads, which is pretty exciting. And I've talked about starting the podcast and why you should start a podcast. I've talked about starting my Shine movement, which is my nonprofit that I started in 2014, and the mechanics of starting a movement. I've talked about nomading and some of my experiences with nomading, you know, hand washing clothes and whatnot. I've talked about minimalism. So today, I would like to talk to you all about the idea of purpose, because I feel like that subject is something that gets talked about a lot. Find your purpose, discover your purpose, live your purpose, and there's a lot of confusion around you know, what does it actually mean to live your purpose? What does a purpose actually feel like? How do I know if I have discovered my true purpose? All right. So I wanted to share some of my own thoughts, some of my own experiences, particularly as it relates to the podcast interviews that I've done. Because if you didn't know, this podcast is really about highlighting people who have, in one way or another, live a purposeful life to help other people in some form or fashion. And through conducting these 130-something interviews, I've started to identify various themes that just keep coming up over and over and over when it comes to people discovering what focus or what area of interest feels most aligned with them. So I guess a good way to start is just by identifying what what do we mean by purpose? So when we talk about purpose, first of all, purpose is a relatively new concept. People in the west especially, you know, more than 20 30 years ago were not talking about purpose. I remember when I was graduating college in the 90s, the pinnacle of success was getting a job on Wall Street or going to an investment banking firm or something like that. And making a lot of money and then potentially becoming an entrepreneur. And nobody was thinking about getting a job that felt in alignment with their heart or with their deep desire to serve humanity and you know, things like that. And when I say nobody, I'm obviously generalizing. I'm sure there's some people out there, and maybe these were the people who went and worked at the Peace Corps or, you know, an NGO or something like that. But for the most part, that was not a part of my. Conversation in my circle of friends. And I had a quote, real job, a nine to five job. I worked at this advertising agency for a few months after college. And what's interesting about that is it was a job that I actually aspired towards, right? Meaning, before I even went to college, I knew that I wanted to specialize in advertising. I knew I wanted to work in advertising. I was actually quite obsessed with advertisements. And I found a university that had an advertising program, which was Howard University in Washington, D.C. While at Howard, I found myself internships in various advertising companies. I worked at the Miami Herald one summer. I worked at USA Today in their advertising department. I just kept finding myself looking for opportunities in advertising. And so after college, when I got this opportunity to join the creative team at a boutique ad agency in Chicago, I thought, this is it. I'm now going to start living the dream. And I started working in this ad agency. It was a really great job. I showed up early, probably the first one there in the mornings, one of the last to leave. I just love being there. I love the creative environment. It wasn't very structured in the sense that, you know, we didn't have to go sit in on meetings and stuff all the time. It was just like, come think of ideas for these various commercials and radio spots. And if we like your idea the best, we'll we'll potentially pitch it to the customer, the client. And if they like it, then we'll use it for the actual spot. So all day long, I spent my time sitting at my desk or walking around or going and talking to people about these various ideas and I remember just thinking how much fun that was just thinking of ideas the most creative ideas and the more creative the better and after a few months I started to also just think to myself you know this is not what I ultimately want to do with my life I said this is great and this will be here indefinitely but I was looking around the office and I was looking at the people who had been in the office for the longest, you know, the the creative directors and the account directors and people who really worked their way up to a very high level positions. And I tried to project myself into those positions and say, well, okay, if I want to be here and work in this industry and and become established, eventually I'll be in one of these positions and maybe I will have won some awards at that point and whatnot do I admire or envy or or aspire to the lifestyle that these people have created for themselves? And this is not a knock against people who work in corporate America, but I just, I just identified for myself that it wasn't something that really excited me. And I didn't really know what that would look like. What did excite me? I just knew that that wasn't it. And I figured I would leave that situation. I would go off into the world I would try a bunch of stuff and then I would see what fit. And if I ever wanted to come back to advertising, I figured I could do that at any time because there's so many advertising agencies and, you know, you just have to have whatever the criteria that they need as far as portfolios or whatever. And then you'll get back into the advertising business. So I went up to my creative director and I told her that I was no longer going to be working there. I didn't know what I was going to do. And that's where I ended up getting into modeling, and then that led to board game design, and then that led to yoga, and then that led to meditation, and then everything that I'm doing today. And if we had enough time, I could go back and I could actually unpack each one of those transitions and show you how the seemingly unrelated thing that I was doing led to the next unrelated thing that I started doing, which ultimately cascaded into us having this exchange, me talking, you listening, and everything kind of played a role in that. And so looking back, it seems, again, disjointed, you know, the things that I was doing, but actually, it was all part of, I would call this one big purpose. In other words, I couldn't tell you where my purpose began. I can only know when I became aware of it. But looking at my entire trajectory, it's hard for me to say when I wasn't on my purpose because everything kind of fed into whatever the next thing happened to be. And that's one of the themes that I have also noticed in interviewing people who very much live their purpose is that you start off doing the thing that you think you should be doing in order to be, quotes successful. And that could be working a nine-to-five job. It could be being a parent, it could be being a nomad, whatever, whatever the situation is, if it's something that you feel, this is going to support me, this is going to allow me to be comfortable, that's usually the main criteria is what's going to bring me more comfort, you know, especially when you're in your younger years, then you start doing that thing. And then eventually you get to a point where you realize that it's not as fulfilling as maybe you once thought it was going to be. And even the comfort that you have as a result of doing that thing, is not as comfortable as you imagined that it would be because there's something that's missing. There's some tension in your life that's actually missing. And I've heard relationship uh, guru Esther Perel talk about this with relationships she was saying how a fulfilling relationship needs a little bit of that tension in order for both partners to feel more alive. And that's one of the reasons why people go and cheat on their partners is not necessarily because they're trying to sabotage anything. It's because there's this inherent need that we have as humans to not have everything perfect and to keep a little bit of that pilot light on inside that sort of stokes our passion. And so with purpose, it's the same kind of thing, except now we're talking about a relationship that we have with ourselves. And there's this inherent meaning, this internal desire that is always sending us signals of what we are feeling aligned with, or what we would call externally, what we feel attracted towards. And there's certain things that certain people just find themselves attracted to, and you don't know why they're attracted to that. Case in point, I have a friend of mine, he hasn't been on the podcast, but he's got a very checkered dating past. He's dated women with lots of kids, he's dated strippers, he's dated women who are very masculine, he's dated women who are abusive, and yet he's this really nice, really friendly guy, you know big connector. And you would just never think that someone like him would put himself in these situations where he experienced so much drama in his relationships. If you just met him, you would imagine that he'd be with some nice person who was very accommodating and devoted and all of these things. But he's actually found the opposite Mm -hmm. until he found his Partner who became his wife. And she is just the loveliest, sweetest, most supportive person that I've ever seen him with. But we could argue that all of the people that he went through prior to her prepared him for his current relationship. It actually opened him up and made him completely available and able to recognize a sustainable. Relationship dynamic when he saw one. And so there is no point in his past relationships where he was actually off of his path, so to speak, when it came to finding the one, right? And the same thing can apply to jobs. We like to sometimes make our purpose our job. And if we happen to work a job that doesn't feel particularly purposeful, then we may be thinking to ourselves, well, I'm wasting my time. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. When in fact, that situation is actually, it's helping you in some way. It's helping you to refine in some way. Maybe it's teaching you a spiritual lesson. Maybe it's allowing you to have time to explore other things that you're inner guidance or your heart is making you feel attracted to and you know you may get through four or five of these things these other interests that again seemingly disconnected but they're always kind of leading you through and to this path that is your purpose and so going back to the interviews that I've had you know I've had people who have had very traditional jobs as the setup. This is the setup phase. You have your traditional job. You have your traditional relationship. And then you reach a point where you have this epiphany. You realize that on some level, you're betraying yourself. You're betraying yourself. And what that means is there's that internal guidance that you are starting to get better at detecting. And this just happens through life experience. Some people call it your intuition. You feel the voice of intuition. You can hear it sometimes. Sometimes it's a visual. But in any case, when there are things in your life that are meant for you, whether they're relationships, whether they're experiences, right, and you think about those things, they make you feel more expansive, right, compared to things that are no longer meant for you. And you think about these things and they can make you feel a little bit contracted. They can make you feel a little bit off. They make you feel a bit stressed or a bit anxious, right? And I've heard this a thousand times, people having these jobs or having these relationships, they just, they just can't do them any longer, but they force themselves to keep doing them. It's because on some degree, they're, they're compromising their own integrity and the way they know it's happening is because they're getting panic attacks, they're feeling anxious, they are sitting in their car, you know, for 20 minutes without going inside because whatever they're going to experience inside, it no longer fits who they are. And so, and they're having to pretend like they're someone else every time they go in in, in those doors and they have to try to appease someone and walk on eggshells and do all these things. And so those are all the signs that a situation or circumstance or job or relationship is no longer in alignment with what you're feeling inside, right? But still that experience, when you put yourself in that position enough times, what you're learning there is a very, very important spiritual lesson. Which is to never, ever, under any circumstances, ignore your intuition. Never ignore your inner guidance. Never second guess what you're feeling in your heart. And sometimes we have to go through a really crazy experience for months, sometimes for years, in order to properly learn that lesson. I know for myself, the last time I had to learn that lesson (laughs) was. In 2006. And the reason why I know the year is because that's the year that I purchased some real estate. Back in those days, there was this real estate bubble. Anyone and their mother could purchase real estate without putting any money down. So all these banks were willing to give you no money down loans, as long as you had decent credit. And I had really good credit at the time. And I had friends who were flipping a lot of properties, income properties, making a lot of money. And I had this realtor who was a bit shady. I'll just say it like it is. He was a bit shady in the sense that he was representing both the buyer and the seller. So he was making money on both the buyer and the seller, which... I didn't even realize it was legal. But in any case, he sold me some properties where he was representing the buyer and seller. And I didn't know any better. I was a yoga teacher at the time. I was not a student of real estate. And this was one of my first big mistakes is I didn't do proper research prior to getting into real estate. I was just basically driven by greed. You know, I was envisioning myself to be this real estate mogul and I was going to make all this money very quickly. and driving fancy cars and blah, blah, blah. And again, I'm teaching yoga, I'm meditating, I'm doing all the right things. I was even plant-based at the time. So I was feeling like I was very aligned lifestyle-wise. But there was this one experience where... Hey there, really quickly, have you wanted to find your purpose or be more grateful or start a daily meditation practice, but you're not quite sure where to begin? Well, if inner work is like a drop of water, the HappinessInsiders.com is like your ocean. That's my online community where you can learn real-world techniques for cultivating more fulfillment from the inside out. So whether it's learning how to manifest abundance or access your potential or overcome fear or even just start walking every day, I've got a blueprint for you, which means you no longer have to use any more shoddy guesswork. And you don't have to use the lone wolf approach to improving yourself. For a small accountability fee, you'll get community, you'll get accountability directly from me, and you'll get comprehensive instructions for getting your meditation practice off the ground. And for my podcast listeners, you'll receive 30% off of the all-access pass if you go to thehappinessinsiders.com right now and use the promo code HAPPY. Again, thehappinessinsiders.com Enter the promo code HAPPY and you'll get 30% off on a yearly all-access pass, which gives you access to dozens of inner work challenges and masterclasses, such as my 108-day meditation challenge, which has an 80% completion rate. Plus, you get to join me live for weekly meditations on Zoom and much, much more. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. The code is HAPPY. All right, back to the episode. I always had doubts, right? And I remember sitting at his table and he had all the paperwork on the table in front of me. And it was the day that I was supposed to sign the paperwork. And it just felt so icky inside. Everything in my body was saying, whatever you do, man, don't sign this paperwork. This is not a favorable deal for you. You are going to lose everything. This is what my inner guidance was essentially telling me you know don't sign this paperwork and i ignored it i ignored my inner guidance very consciously i had to override it because i was again driven by greed and sure enough as soon as i signed it literally like the next week <laughs> there was all these news reports about the real estate bubble bursting and people losing money and foreclosing on their properties and having to short sell and blah, blah, blah. And I experienced all of that within the next couple of years. I came really close to having to file bankruptcy and ended up deciding, you know, I'm not going to file for bankruptcy. I'm going to call up all of these lenders that I owe money to, and I'm going to work something out. And I'm just going to make that an intentional experience, which I did. And my credit got ruined because... I ended up having to short sell everything, which means to sell for less than what I owed. And sure enough, I was able to sort of claw my way out of that. And what I realized from that experience was that everything is negotiable. (laughs) Absolutely everything is negotiable. And all you have to do is get on the phone with people, tell them the truth. And also, I realized that if there was a time to learn that lesson, it was when everybody was essentially underwater and upside down on their properties. So being one of millions of people in this kind of situation, the lenders ended up being very lenient. And eventually, over the course of those next several years, I was able to build my credit back up. And I learned something very valuable. I learned that I have no passion around real estate. So it took me losing you know, $75,000, $100,000, whatever it was to learn that lesson. So in other words, it was kind of like I went to spiritual business school (laughs) and I paid $75,000 for my tuition and I learned that lesson. A, you're not passionate about real estate. So stop stop dabbling in, in things you're not passionate about. And then B, I learned not to ignore my intuition. And then C, I learned not to work with people who I didn't trust, no matter how smart or how savvy or how connected they happen to be. If I don't trust them, if I don't have an inherent trust towards that person, then I'm not going to do it. And that pledge that I took during that time has served me very, very well because now I'm able to fully trust in my inner guidance And here's the thing with trusting your inner guidance is that nine times out of ten, it's not going to direct you towards something that's going to make you more comfortable, right? This is another big misconception about inner guidance that you may have heard, you know, dozens of times listening to my podcast interviews because my guests have had the same type of experience. You reach that point, you realize, hey, I'm out of integrity in this area of my life. I haven't been listening to my inner guidance. And I need to start doing things differently. And if I listen to my head, which is always telling me, get more comfortable, get more comfortable, get more comfortable. And my heart is telling me, do what feels aligned, do what feels aligned, follow your curiosity. The moment I stop listening to my head and I start listening to my heart, that's where I stop feeling the friction, So there's a difference in tension and friction. Tension comes from not knowing how something is going to turn out. Friction comes from making whatever I'm doing harder than it needs to be, okay? So when you think about friction, think about, I think we've all had this experience if you drive automatic cars where you have the emergency brake on because maybe you parked on a hill or something and you forget to take it off, but you know the car will still let you drive it'll just feel harder it'll feel like it's working harder to drive and you may not understand why is my car seeming to use all this energy to just drive down a normal street and then it occurs to you oh i forgot to take my emergency brake off and so when we are not trusting in our inner guidance and we're looking for comfort at every turn It's kind of like driving with the emergency brake on and because we're constantly overriding our own inner compass and the uncertainty of I don't know how this is necessarily going to turn out. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to follow exactly what I feel inside, the things that feel aligned, and I'm just going to hope for the best And I know that if I do that, if I trust in my inner guidance, if I trust in life, if I trust in my heart, everything is going to work out. That's the sort of uncertainty that leads to the tension of living life by your heart. And the more experienced you become with that, the less tension you will start to feel because what you're developing there over time is you're developing a stronger and stronger degree of trust In what's happening inside. And so you stop betraying yourself as much. And when you stop betraying yourself, then you are fully available, fully present for whatever is happening in the moment. And this is really a beautiful point in your journey because then the next realization is that, oh, I am always surrounded by opportunities. But when I was all anxious and tense and operating with all this friction, it did not allow me to see the opportunities that were surrounding me in real time. The moment I started to trust more in life, then it allowed me to be able to see more opportunities. There was a quote that I remember reading in Conversations with God, which was which I always refer to as my one of my gateway books to my spiritual path, my conscious spiritual path. I remember very vividly being in Brooklyn, New York, you know, one evening, and I was at my girlfriend's apartment, and I was sitting on her bed, waiting for her to finish taking a shower because we were going to go out to dinner or something. And she had this book on her bookshelf, and it was Conversations with God. And I had seen it. A lot of the bookstores, because I used to go to Barnes and Noble all the time and just just sit and read books and and look at magazines and stuff back in my modeling days. And so I had seen this book, and there was a there was something inside of me that said, "Pick up that book and start thumbing through it." Now, again, I didn't know about you know following your heart and inner guidance and all that stuff back then, but I followed through and I picked up the book and I started thumbing through it, and I was kind of halfway expecting to. Be hit with this sort of Christian doctrine literature, and it ended up being this very practical, very accessible dialogue between this regular guy, Neil Donald Walsh, and who he said was God. So, long story short, Neil had been hitting up a lot against a lot of roadblocks in his life. This is back in the 90s, I believe, and one night. In a fit of frustration, he starts yelling at this imaginary invisible man in heaven (laughs) to give him answers. And then something tells him to pick up a notepad and a pen and start writing his questions down, which he did. He wrote the questions down. And then he found that these answers were coming through him. And so he starts dictating these answers. And it created this dialogue. And that dialogue became the manuscript for conversations with God. So that's what the book is. It's him asking questions like, what's the purpose of life? Why is life so hard? How am I supposed to trust, you know, in things and all the things that we're talking about now that to some extent, we're all kind of familiar with these themes, these concepts, because we've seen them now in movies, we've seen them in film. I don't know who watched that Pixar movie, Soul, right? That's what that was all about was Jamie Foxx's character, this panel player, you know, he dies and he goes to heaven, so to speak, but he wasn't ready to go and he gets to come back and, you know, it's this whole thing. But back then, there weren't a whole lot of movies and books about this stuff, aside from one of my favorite movies, which... It's actually a Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, which is about George Bailey taking over his father's business, which is not what he wanted to do with his life, but it's what he felt like he had to do because his dad had built up basically this business in a small town. And if he didn't take it over, then it was just going to go belly up. and So many people were depending on this business because there was this evil guy in town who wanted to buy everybody out and basically raise the rents and George Ends up in this really tricky situation where there's some money that's gone missing. And it's because someone working at his company misplaced it and then lost it. But this was money that he needed to pay the government or something like that. And anyway, they were going to come and arrest him. And so he decides to kill himself. He decides I'm more valuable dead than I am alive. And so he kills him. He tries to jump off of a bridge. To, it came out in the 40s. So if you haven't seen it yet, then you know I'm not spoiling anything. But he jumps off and then this guardian angel is sent down to show him what life in that town would be like without him. And so it's a really beautiful reminder of the impact that one person doing what they feel like they have to do can have in the lives of many others. And so anyways, I remember watching that movie as a kid and thinking how beautiful of a depiction of, you know, angels, guardian angels, and the idea of reincarnation and the idea of karma and the idea of having this effect on other people. I remember thinking how wonderful that was, but not in any sort of conscious way. But it wasn't until I picked up that book in my girlfriend's apartment, started reading through the book. That I started to put two and two together. I realized that, hey, that's not just a movie with, you know, some script and character and whatnot. This is actually real. This is what's happening because I can feel that happening when I'm having these experiences. And a lot of the questions that Neil Donald Walsh was asking in the book were questions that I had about the nature of reality. And that was the first book that allowed me to understand that there potentially is a greater purpose. And anyways, there's this quote in the book. This is where I was going with it. There was this quote on the book where Neil was asking the same question in two or three different ways. And God was giving him essentially the same answer over and over and over. And Neil was getting frustrated, which he did often in this dialogue. He got frustrated with God and he finally snaps and he says, look, I get it. Why do you keep repeating the same thing over and over and over? And then God replied, but do you really get it? He goes, because if you truly, truly got it, your life lived would be a reflection of your deepest understanding, right? Your life lived is a reflection of your deepest understanding. In other words, if you're anxious, if you have a lot of friction, but you're thinking, oh yeah, I get, we're all one. I get that there's Dharma. I get that there's a purpose and blah, blah, blah. But yet you're having all these panic attacks and having situational depression and whatnot. Then, on a deeper level, you don't actually get it. There's this thinking that I'm supposed to be more certain about things than I actually am. And the areas in my life that I'm not certain about, those are the areas that are not going well. And the ones that I am more certain about, those are the ones that are going well. And in actuality, it's the opposite it's the opposite. The areas in your life that you feel super certain about, those are the ones where you probably need to evolve a little bit more. You need to switch things up a little bit more. You may be getting a little bit too comfortable. And the areas that are making you feel uncertain, you know, where you may have a little imposter syndrome, where you may be a little bit on edge around, okay, what's going to happen next? I took this leap of faith. Now what? That's actually right where you want to be. And, and from a spiritual perspective, that's the safest place you can be. And then there's this is other quote that I remember reading. And this is the one I framed and put in my apartment for years from conversations with God, where God was reminding Neil Donald Walsh he says, You can relax to the extent that you trust in life. You can relax to the extent that you trust in life. In other words, if you're not relaxed, no matter what's happening on the surface, on some level, it's because you don't trust. You don't trust that what you're experiencing is what you're supposed to be experiencing. And again, I know what it feels like. I remember being upside down in all of my properties And I I literally had a bankruptcy attorney on the phone because I wanted to find out more about what the process would entail. And this is back during landlines and stuff. And a friend of mine called me while I was, I would just gotten on the phone with the attorney and I'm thinking to myself, this is it. The gig is up and I don't know what I'm going to do next. And my friend called me and this is one of my really grateful friends he's always so grateful always so cheery and I answered the other line I've told the the attorney hold on one second I got a call coming in and I answered the other line and he's like brother light you know it's such a great day what are you grateful for today and the last thing I was feeling in that moment was gratitude and so having that little conversation which I don't think was an accident I don't think that was accidental. In fact, I don't think anything is accidental, but it was just ironic that he called right when he did and that I took his call, even though I had just gotten on the phone with the bankruptcy attorney. And in that moment, when I got that call, I knew that I was not going to declare bankruptcy. I knew that I was going to try to figure it out. And I have him to thank for that, even though I've never really even mentioned that to him to this day. In his mind, it was just another call and another opportunity to express gratitude. And I clicked back over and I told the bankruptcy attorney, thank you very much, but I'm okay, I'm good. I'm going to figure it out. And I figured it out and it didn't happen overnight. You know, and, and again, this is how the universe works, right? The universe didn't have someone call me and say, hey, figure it out. The universe had someone call me and say like, what are you grateful for right now? Give me two or three things you're grateful for. This is the power of gratitude that I keep writing about, talking about is that when we find ourselves in these situations where we're experiencing lots of friction because we're getting in our own way, we're not trusting, we're not trusting in life, this is the best time to just stop and ask ourselves, What am I grateful for right now? What am I grateful for? And it doesn't have to be anything major, right? It doesn't have to be. World hunger is being solved, or somebody figured out how to clean up the oceans or anything like that. It can just be I'm grateful that I have food in my refrigerator. I'm grateful that I have the ability to breathe unrestricted, right? And this is something that at this point in my life, it's become second nature. I literally walk around and I just think about, you know, I walk up a flight of stairs. And I think about, man, I have no pain in my body as I'm walking up these stairs. At my age, you know, I'm I'm almost 50 years old and I'm walking up these stairs and I'm just completely pain-free. It's amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And I'm eating food and I'm able to swallow the food and it's able to get digested and eliminate it and everything works the way it's supposed to work. And I can see without glasses and I can taste things and I can smell things and I can feel things and I have no arthritis and I have no trouble doing anything that I'm, that I'm supposed to to do. And this is just so amazing. And I just, I just have so much gratitude around that. And this is not something I necessarily talk about publicly or I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, in a conversation with friends, but It's just something that I feel, something that I feel. And it hasn't, it it wasn't a spontaneous thing. It's something that I very intentionally worked on years and years and years ago, where I just start. and, And again, tying it back to my friend, who's always grateful, you know, I got into that habit, hanging out with someone like that. I got into the habit of just thinking about all the things that were going right, as opposed to focusing on the things that were going wrong. So It's interesting because I'm staying in an Airbnb right now in Mexico City. And as I was recording this, I wanted to close my kitchen door just because it just didn't look right open. And I closed the kitchen door. And again, I'm in an Airbnb. So this is not my apartment. I don't really, you know, I know the areas that I use a lot, but there are a lot of areas in here that I don't really use that much. In any case, I closed the kitchen door and turns out the kitchen door has a lock on it. I had no idea. And turns out somebody, probably the housekeeper, accidentally turned the lock. So now I'm locked out of my own kitchen. (laughs) And, you know, I went on YouTube and I looked up how to unlock a door using paper clips or whatever, because I don't have a proper door lock key or anything like that. They make these keys where you can basically open any lock. So anyway, I can't access my kitchen. I have no idea how long I'm not going to be able to access my kitchen, but... I've gotten to the point where, again, I can trust that, okay, well, I'm not supposed to be in that kitchen tonight. Whatever was going on in that kitchen or whatever would have gone on in that kitchen, I'm not supposed to be in there, right? So, And I'll take it as far as saying, look, not going to that kitchen is actually saving my life. I don't know why. I don't know how, but I'm trusting, I'm trusting that that is the case. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to not get into the kitchen. I definitely have tried. i've I've gone through a few videos and I have the paper clips and all the all the things to try to get in, and I called the apartment manager and I did all those things. She said, "Oh, I can come tomorrow and take a look." right? The paperclip thing never really worked. And there's no no emergency. I don't really need to get in there. I tried to do the whole credit card thing. I tried to slide some other stuff and and unlock the, the door that way. And nothing has actually worked. So all of that is, in my experience, that's a sign that, hey, you're not supposed to be in there right now. And it's fine. So I've gotten a lot better at those kinds of experiences. And when you hear this, And if you're like a really type A person, really controlling person, you may think to to yourself, well, that's very frustrating. You can't get into your kitchen. And on one level, I guess it could be frustrating. But another way to look at it is actually it's very quite liberating because now I've accepted the fact that, hey, tried to get in, couldn't get in, not supposed to be in there. Or whatever it's going to take for me to get into the kitchen is like the missing piece of the puzzle that I'm going to need for my purpose. So my purpose is always incorporating these elements that I may not think of, or I may not realize in real time until it actually happens. And then once it happens, you think you have this epiphany like, oh, okay, of course, of course, of course. I was watching this clip, this video on social media the other day, and they were talking about this guy who had been stranded in the middle of the ocean for like two months, and he had no food, he had no water, but he had a life raft. So, it's just bobbing up and down in this life raft, thousands of miles away from any kind of land. And he happened to have a little harpoon. And so, over the weeks, he, he basically put himself on a daily schedule, a daily routine, which kind of helped him pass the time. And part of this routine was catching fish with his harpoon. So, again, he's in this like rubber raft and so he'd have to lean out of the raft. It had a little pot shape, so he would lean out of the little opening, and he would stick his harpoon down into the ocean, and he would catch fish, and the fish would help him stay nourished for you know a few days. And he had to do it again. And then about a month into it, he was going through his little daily routine, and he accidentally harpooned his own raft. <laughs> He, he, he pierced a hole into his own raft and his raft started to deflate. Now, again, he's in the middle of the ocean. And of course, this is like the worst thing that could possibly be happening to him. And he's trying to figure out solutions and he can't find a solution. And his raft ends up getting wobbly. It doesn't sink, but it's very wobbly. Water starts coming in. And he just said it was a very miserable time. And that lasted for like a week where he's just lying there. Can you imagine lying all day long in the sun, in this wet raft in the middle of the ocean, super salty, there's sharks and all kinds of stuff coming up and bumping up against you because you look like a flailing, you know, injured sea creature. And he said one day it occurred to him how to repair his own raft and he ended up repairing it. And then he got upset with himself because he said it shouldn't have taken him a week to figure it out, but it just occurred to him. And then he ended up getting rescued not long after that. But the point is, we want solutions in real time. We want them right away. But the thing that ended up saving him was something that he kind of pieced together in his mind from basically meditating for those seven or eight days that His wrath was kind of wobbly and flailing in the ocean. And sometimes it takes a little while for the pieces to come together. Now, we could make the argument that maybe if his wrath wasn't in the situation it would have been in, maybe one of those sharks would have come up and done something to him. We don't know. We never know. And this is something we always have to consider that actually makes the situation a little bit more liberating and that can give us more trust in whatever's happening. And that is... We can never know what's being prevented. We can never know what's being prevented. So no matter how bad it looks externally, you will never know what didn't happen as a result of you being in that situation. One of my other favorite stories to reflect upon when thinking about this is a fictional story from The, the Alchemist. And some of you all have read that book, The Alchemist. I won't go into the full plot, but there's a guy who's looking for a treasure And he goes through all of these experiences and at the very end, he ends up on this road towards the pyramids in Egypt and he gets mugged on that road and they take everything from him. And of course, this is like the worst thing that could ever happen to him because he's already been through all these other crazy experiences and he ends up falling asleep on the side of the road because he just has no energy to continue on at that moment. And then turns out later on down that road, there was a murderer waiting to murder his next victim. And so if that character, the main character, had not gotten mugged when he got mugged, he probably would have got murdered later on. And again, this is one of the ways the universe works is it. It spares us something worse than what we're currently experiencing, even though what we're experiencing may seem like the worst thing that could possibly ever happen. And that's why gratitude is so important, because when you come back to gratitude, even if you're experiencing near bankruptcy, even if you're experiencing a crazy breakup, even if you're experiencing being upside down in your your home or whatever the case is, you can still breathe, you can still see, you can still swallow, you can still walk you can still go outside, you can still turn your head and look up, right? You can still go up a flight of stairs. All of these are amazing reasons to be grateful. And if we can find ourselves being grateful, being able to drop into that gratitude in real time, we will be able to see whatever opportunities, whatever solutions, whatever insights and epiphanies are there for us, are available to us, but would be otherwise hidden by our sense of dissatisfaction or discontent. So that was the whole basis of this no complaining challenge that I launched in my online community the happinessinsiders.com. No complaining for 30 days was the challenge, or is the challenge because it's still going on. Anyone can sign up at any time. But this was born out of an experience that I had where I was hanging out with a friend of mine here in Mexico City. And I was complaining. I was complaining. And and she pointed it out. She said, You know, you're really complaining a lot. And I was like, Really? I'm complaining? She goes, Yeah, yeah, you're complaining a lot. And she kind of gave me a couple of examples. And I have the type of friends who feel comfortable pointing those kinds of things out because they know that I want to always do better. I want to always work on myself. So I'm not perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I know a lot of cool things, spiritual stuff and all that, but I'm not perfect. And so she reflected back to me how much I had been complaining about various things. And so I took it upon myself to put myself on a no-complaint challenge right? 24 hour, no complaint challenge. And I ended up posting about it on social media. And embarrassingly, it was harder than I thought. And I ended up complaining like the next day. And so I extended the challenge to the following day and I ended up complaining again. And it took me like three days to get through this no complaining challenge. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. Here I am. And meditating for all these years, teaching meditation for all these years, you know, practicing gratitude, doing all things. And yet it's hard for me to get through one day without complaining. So this is my experience. What are other people experiencing? And I decided because I'm, cause I have this community and inside of the community, I have all kinds of masterclasses, about finding your purpose, accessing your potential, overcoming fear, radical authenticity, et cetera. And I have a bunch of challenges, 108-day meditation challenge, 108-day healthy eating challenge, 108-day movement challenge. So I love challenges, and I love giving courses. I love creating courses that help people become a better version of themselves. And so I started thinking in challenges from doing all these challenges. Now I think in challenges and I thought to myself, okay, the next challenge we're going to do is a 30 days of no complaining challenge, which doesn't mean you go 30 days without complaining. It just means you go 30 days being mindful of the extent to which you're complaining and intentional about not complaining, but you know, on occasion may not be possible. Until after you complain, you catch yourself. So just becoming aware of, oh, I actually just complain or I complain a lot today. So since I started the challenge, one of the questions that people have been asking is, well, you know, coming up with different exceptions. Well, what if someone's trying to take advantage of me? Or what's the difference in standing up for yourself and complaining and these kinds of things? And looking for all of the exceptions and when we should be complaining. And this is a natural thing to do. This is what we all do. We look for exceptions, right? Certainly, it's not realistic to go 30 days or more without complaining at all is what the average person thinks. But here's the thing about that is average people aren't aware of how much they complain. And probably average people complain way more than they think they complain. So the last thing that we want as listeners of this podcast, as spiritually mature people, is to compare ourselves to average people, people who don't necessarily have intentional spiritual practices, people who aren't intentionally striving to be the best version of themselves. Right, Most average people are looking for greater amounts of comfort, right? So, they'll work jobs that they hate that suck their soul just to be more comfortable. And this is not as we've been talking about in this episode, this is not where we are right now in our own journey. And I know that's the case because you wouldn't have listened to this as far as you have if you were just a regular old average person. Average people don't listen to this podcast. They'd be listening to a podcast about how to make more money or you know how to market yourself better or something like that. And look, I listen to those podcasts too, but I also am very receptive to more spiritually themed content. So- No offense if that's your thing, but I know that because you're this deep into this conversation that you are definitely not an average person. And one of the worst things we can do in that case is to compare ourselves to average people and or take advice from average people. So when it comes to not complaining, the question we want to ask ourselves is not, can I go 30 days without complaining or can I go 24 hours without complaining? right? Who cares? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. The question we want to ask ourselves, which relates to this conversation is, what would happen if I were to go 30 days or 24 hours focusing on appreciation, focusing on being grateful? What would my life look like then? Because sure, again, there are probably exceptions where it would be very appropriate to complain to a customer service rep and be the squeaky wheel that gets the oil and all of that. But have you exhausted all other possibilities when it comes to appreciation and gratitude? Maybe the response would be even greater if you were to show that person a little bit more appreciation or a little bit more gratitude. And one of the examples that I used in response to that question is, if you're the customer service rep, and if you work in service industry, hospitality, whatever, you have been the person on the receiving end of someone's complaint. So if someone is complaining and they are blowing some situation out of proportion, and they are making you maybe unfairly responsible for that situation or just being very short-tempered with you, Are you more likely to go above and beyond to help this person out, to solve this person's problem? Versus same situation that happened to them, but they're showing you appreciation. They are leading with, hey, look, I I know you deal with this all the time. I'm sorry to be another person bringing this to you. I'm grateful for The things that have gone right. It's just this one thing that hasn't gone right, and I'm not sure why. And I really need some help with this if you can help me and approach it like that. And, you know, you're obviously coming up with your own, you know, uh, way of describing the situation where you express more appreciation than you do dissatisfaction and just see what happens. I think you may be surprised. I know I've had several experiences where I have intentionally been more appreciative and expressed more gratitude versus going in with the complaint and being all hot-headed. And I've gotten an outcome that far exceeded whatever my expectation was. And that's happened so many times. And I don't think we appreciate and realize how many people would go out of their way to, to do us a favor, to, to do business with us, would be more attracted to us if we just simply were more appreciative because people don't they're not going to say anything if you are a complainer a lot of times they don't say anything they just don't make themselves available to you right or they're very quick to leave your presence and so you end up basically creating situations more situations to complain about which again makes you feel like well maybe i'm not on my purpose <laughs> and when in actuality You could have full access to that alignment feeling with your purpose if you just were more grateful and more appreciative of whatever is happening as opposed to rejecting whatever is not happening. And so that could be our inner work in and of itself, right? Just that right there, just being grateful is very powerful inner work. And I think that's something that again, going back to my podcast, guests, that's another theme that oftentimes emerges is. Once you get deeply entrenched in your path and you start looking at all the average friends that you have, meaning people who are not consciously and intentionally living their path, there's a tendency to compare yourself and think, well, I'm falling behind the average people because they're becoming more and more financially secure or more stable or whatever, or you know, starting to have families. And I'm over here doing all the service work. <laughs> And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm maybe, you know, check the check, having to go out and raise money and what have you. And yet what you are doing and the impact that you're having on people is what's lighting you up. That's what's driving you. And that's what's keeping you feeling aligned in your life. And so it can be challenging to stay on that path if you allow yourself to continue to compare yourself to other people. So that becomes a part of the work as well. So is the only person I really want to compare myself with is the person that I was yesterday. And luckily, fortunately, I had that experience where I tried to be average. I tried to fit in, didn't feel good. I was anxious, had all these panic attacks, whatever the case was. So you have that point of reference. And that's a very necessary point of reference. That's why you had that experience. So that you never put yourself in a situation again where you violate it your own integrity, you betrayed yourself, you did something that didn't feel aligned on a deeper level. And so once you fully commit to that, then life becomes very easy because then you get more and more comfortable just living in uncertainty. And that's where you find that flow feeling that people talk about in spiritual circles, go with the flow. You're finding yourself able to go with the flow because you're no longer getting in your own way. You're no longer treading against the current. You're able to stop and just allow that current to take you from point to point, in which case you keep doing the best you can, given whatever you have available to you. You keep being grateful. You keep showing up. You keep being very intentional about your inner work, your inner practices, and all of those things. And then eventually, there's some point of recognition where people look at you, what you've done, what you've accomplished in your form of service, whatever that is. And then they want to ask you questions about it. They want to talk to you about it. They want to find out, you know, how did you do that? How did you overcome whatever resistance you had to overcome? How did you get by not knowing when your next check was going to come in? How did you do this? How did you do that? How did you take that leap of faith and then that's where you come on the podcasts like mine and you start telling that story over and over and over as you're continuing on in your, your journey. And so if you go back and you listen to all of my podcast interviews, or if you, even if you just listen to a dozen interviews, you'd see that those same themes over and over and over. Starting off in the conventional path, feeling out of alignment, feeling out of integrity, uh, taking a leap of faith in the direction of something that feels more aligned, comparing yourself to other people. And then giving yourself the freedom of choicelessness when you fully commit to your path. And then people want to talk to you about it because it takes you to a place, to, a, to a, an area where you're able to impact people on a massive level. And it's not because you, you set out to do that or you try to do it. It's just because you listened to what your inner guidance was telling you. You kept saying yes to it. You kept trusting in it. That allowed you to relax more. You saw more opportunities. And then you start looking luckier and luckier to the people outside. And next thing you know, everyone's trying to emulate your path because they see, they think that you knew what you were doing the whole time. And the reality is you you had no idea what you were doing the whole time. You were just saying yes to whatever was in your heart. And you can't point to when you started being on your purpose and when you weren't on your purpose because you see that everything that you experienced leading up to that point of having that impact actually came into play at some point. You know, it's kind of like in screenwriting. They say that if you have a gun in the first act, it's going to have to be used in the third act. And with purpose, if you're working in a toll booth in the first act, if you're working at McDonald's in the first act, if you're working at Starbucks or wherever situation that you may seem on the surface, it may appear to be a menial job or a job that's not very fulfilling or something like that. Whatever you're learning in that experience is going to come into play later on. If you're in an abusive relationship, if you got abandoned as a child, if you were adopted, whatever the situation is, it's going to come into play in the third act. So, if it hasn't come into play yet in your third act, keep the camera rolling. <laughs> you may not be in the third act yet. You may still be at the end of the first act or in the second act or you know somewhere in that trajectory, but trust that it's coming. Trust and as you trust in it, you will start to free yourself up to see more and more of those opportunities. All right. That's what I have for you today. If you feel inspired to join one of the challenges or one of the master classes, such as the no complaining for 30 days or the the 108 days of movement or the 108 days of healthy eating or whatever appeals to you, I urge you to listen to that. That is your heart guiding you to the next way station along your path. It may not be about healthy eating. It may not be about complaining, but there's something else that you'll learn or someone you'll cross paths with because you're doing that. And that's going to deliver something that's going to be useful to you further down the line along your path. So that's your homework is to continue following that. Follow those internal urges until it becomes second nature and you stop talking yourself out of it. And you'll see that you'll always end up exactly where you need to be in hindsight. You can't see it looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back as as the late, great Steve Jobs said. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to my solo episode. You can see the show notes for this episode at lightwatkins.com slash show. And if this is your first time listening to The Light Watkins Show, We've got an incredible archives of interviews with other luminaries who share how they found their path and their purpose. People like Young Pueblo, the internet poet, people like Ava DuVernay, the film director, Ed Milet, the motivational speaker, and many, many more. You can even search the interviews by subject matter in case you want to hear more episodes about people who've taken leaps of faith or you only want to hear about people who've overcome financial struggles or people who've navigated health challenges. You can get a list of all of those episodes at lightwatkins.com slash show. You can also watch these interviews, including my solo episodes on YouTube. If you want to put a face to a story, just search light Watkins podcast on YouTube and you'll see the entire playlist. And if you didn't already know, I post the raw, unedited version of each podcast in my Happiness Insiders online community. So if you're the type that likes hearing all of the mistakes and the false starts and the chit chat in the beginning and the end of each episode, you can listen to all of that by joining my online community, which is thehappinessinsiders.com. Not only are you going to have access to the unedited version of the podcast, but you'll also have access to my 108-day meditation challenge along with other challenges and masterclasses for becoming the best version of yourself and finally to help me bring you the best guests possible it would go a long way if you could just take 10 seconds to rate and or review the podcast all you do is glance at your screen right now click on the name of the podcast scroll down past those seven previous episodes and you'll see a space with five blank stars tap the star all the way on the right if you feel inspired to leave a five-star rating. And or if you want to go the extra mile, please leave a review by suggesting one episode that you recommend a new listener should start listening to this podcast with as an introduction. Thank you very much for that. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you back here next week with another story about someone just like me and you taking a leap of faith in the direction of their purpose. And until then, keep trusting your intuition, keep following your heart, keep taking those leaps of faith. And if no one's told you recently that they believe in you, I believe in you. Thank you and have a great day. If you want to get a little extra nudge when it comes to following your heart and taking leaps of faith and believing in yourself each day, then you want to sign up for my free daily dose of inspiration email. You'll join 30,000 other subscribers who receive a short inspirational story or anecdote that's meant to inspire you to become the best version of yourself each day. You can sign up at lightwatkins.com and you'll get your first inspirational message as early as tomorrow. Again. Just go to lightwatkins.com, you can sign up for free, and you'll wake up each morning inspired to be the best version of yourself.